Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I am Tosh Berman. And I'm Kim Lee. And what we normally do on Book Music, well, actually every episode of Book Music, we discuss a specific book about music. It could be a music biography, it could be a memoir, it could be about music history, or even a character in a fictional context who happens to be a composer or musician. But today, we're going to discuss Harold Bronson, legendary co-founder of Rhino Records. The book is called My British Invasion, the inside story on the Yardbirds, the Dave Clark Five, Manford Man, Herman's Hermits, the Hollies, the Trogs, <laughs> The Kinks, the Zombies, and more. More. <laughs> Published by Rare Bird Books and Vero Books, too, as well. I guess it's a, yeah, I guess it's a subsidiary. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, this book I feel very at home with. Yes, this is your sweet spot. For, for many reasons. Uh, one, I'm obsessed with British Invasion, you know, British music from the 60s. Mm -hmm. Um, two, um, I don't think I ever met Harold Bronson, but I definitely know of him for many, many decades. Uh, I used to be a customer at Rhino Records when it was a record store. Um, and um, this book, reading this book really brings back my past, and I think our past, because we both worked at Licorice Pizza in the um, 1980s. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, we share a, a common history with the author here. Yeah. And reading the book, you know, first thing first, My British Invasion, which focused on, on British invasion bands and artists from like from 63 to like 66 or 67. At least that's one presumes when you look at the cover of this book. Yeah. But the book is actually a lot more than that. Um, it's a it's a travel journal of sorts of of, of, of Bronson going to London in the um, in the seventies, and it's also a memoir of, of his life uh, as a uh, as a record executive and um, working in the record store, um, and it's totally not like this biographies on British bands. It's more about Bronson dealing with these people, some of these people in contemporary times, meaning past the sixties, like in the eighties, when they were, um, when Rhino was doing like reissuing records, right, right. which is their big part of their business. Rhino records is a reissue company right. basically. And, um, I found that I found, I find a lot of stuff interesting in this book. One about Rhino records itself, or just about the role of, of, um, of reissuing records and the record industry at that time. And it brings me back, you know, like like record. Remember, we used to have record reps that come visit Licorice Pizza. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I can't remember, I can't remember their names, and I should not mention their names because all of them asked me to talk to Billboard magazine to choose. Yes, yes, no. Payola, a form of payola was yeah. rampant even in the eighties. It was pretty funny. <laughs> you were the cassette buyer at the store, mm -hmm. and I was the vinyl yeah. buyer, and. 
and yeah, the reps would come in and they'd be like, oh yeah, when you talk to the radio stations, tell them, you know, such and such a album is just selling really well in the store, you know, and they'd give us, you know, whatever promotional items and stuff to do. And it was pretty funny. I, yeah. I would only promote an album if I liked it. <laughs> oh, not me. Not me. You took the payola and promoted it no matter what? Whatever no, they you want. Didn't promote anything. Anything they want. You were easily bought? Okay, Tosh. Good to know. No, no problems whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I know. It always made me laugh. You know, one time I was working in, um, after Licorice Pizza, I worked in Penny Lane, which is an indie uh-huh. store. And um, they would sell used records. And one of the reps that I knew from Licorice Pizza came in one of my first days at the store. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? You're the MCA guy or whatever. I don't remember what label he was from. Oh, no. You and say that, and right? I know I didn't realize that the reason he was there is he was selling, you know, all of his uh, promo. He was just selling yeah. the merch to get some extra cash, which was, of yeah. course, totally illegal. And uh, I felt terrible. <laughs> I was so naive and stupid. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, like, raced out of the store. It was really funny. <laughs> Kimley, you're not naive. <laughs> You're I was just nice. being friendly. I was like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. I felt so bad. <laughs> well, that was, that was very much the music industry. I mean, yes, you know, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's a nasty business for sure. Yeah, I mean, they did sell their, you know, they sell their product. Yeah. Well, this book is not about that specifically. No, We're no, no. <laughs> As you know, I like to bring out the dark aspects of every story. Of That's course. Of, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but I do share Bronson's obsession about these British bands. I mean, um, when I, when I, you know, in a way, not to push my book. Well, I am going to push my books. <laughs> Reminds me a bit of uh, my book, Sparks, Sparks Tastic, uh-huh. only because of his travel journal aspect that he yeah in the book. i was actually thinking that too when i was reading it you know it, it very you know i don't i'm not saying he read my book or any of that sort but i'm just saying that it is a travel journal as well sparks tastic yeah. is it's really a travel journal among other things well i think you know that the my british invasion the my is a very important part of the title of the book because this really is more about bronson than it is about these bands it's about yes it's about him and his life and his relationship to these bands and, and you know, yeah. what they meant to him. It's definitely not, there's nothing sort of definitive about any of these bands. If you're looking to, to really learn anything in depth about these bands, you're not going to get that from this book. You're just, and in fact, I would say it's more, a lot of it's behind the scenes kinds of stuff, which is interesting, you know, it's yeah. kind of fun to read that stuff, but it's not a, a book for sort of basic information on these bands. Yeah. And one thing I like about the book is him writing about certain key figures. You know, or anybody listening to the show may gather that I have sort of obsession about. Yes, you like all the background people. For yeah. Sure. And he talks about Mickey Most. Uh-huh. Mickey Most is a uh, record producer and a label owner one time uh, in the 60s. He produced all the great Donovan um, records, right. as well as like Jeff Beckrue and... Um, who else did he, he produce? Do the Herman, 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 Herman. Yes, he did Herman's Hermits yeah. record. Yeah. yeah. And if you read about it, you think, oh, he's just sort of a, um, just a sort of a hustling record producer, just the hits type of person. Mm-hmm. I would argue that he's a great producer, though. I think he's a fantastic producer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think whatever he touches, he makes it better somehow. 
Uh-huh. And uh, so there's, there, he writes about Mickey Mouse, then he writes about Mike Chapman. Right. right. And I'm, you know, who, what glam kid did not love Chin Chapman's songs? All those sweet songs, Susie Quattro, uh-huh. Mud, uh-huh. all that bubblegum stuff. Uh-huh. With all the yas and the can claps, and just a strong <laughs> drumbeat. Masterpieces. Uh, Masterpieces. Yes, okay. So I really, really enjoyed reading the interviews that he or him talking about uh, Nikki Chin, uh-huh. uh, as well as Mike Chapman, who are they worked as a team uh-huh. in the uh, actually not that for that long, probably like the early 70s. Then Mike Chapman started producing Blondie, and that led him yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, he was around for a long time. He, did he was around for a long time. Yeah, he did a lot of big albums. But he lost the bubblegum aspect with, with, um, with uh, Nikki Chin. And I really love the early, you know, the Chin Chapman um, songs. Ah, okay. Okay. My life has not been correct since they stopped writing songs together. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, like something. Ballroom Blitz. <laughs> yeah, I love that when I was a kid. Little Wheelie. Yeah, I know. I loved those songs when I was a kid. So he caught those can, the can. <laughs> and the great thing about those songs, you can only hear it in one place, in one location, and that was Rodney's nightclub, Rodney Bingenheimer's nightclub. Oh, okay. Well, for me, it was the radio, but okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you must listen to a really nice I radio. Wasn't cool. I wasn't cool enough to be going to Rodney Bingham <laughs> At the time of that period, before Rodney was a DJ, I think, so it was like, yeah. really, if you really want to hear those songs, because they're all were imports at the time. They're not even available uh, in America. So yeah, Chin Chapman's a huge thing in my life. Yeah. And then another, under, and then another person who's an artist, but I think his role as a manager and a music hustler of sorts is Dave Clark of Dave Clark Five. Mm-hmm. And I find Dave Clark is totally fascinating. Oh, okay. Um, all for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and what are those? Well, I'm not a huge dark, you know, strange enough, I like Dave Clark Five. Okay. I love, you know, bits and pieces, you know, catch me if you can. Uh-huh. I mean, look, they're great records, but I don't. Okay. I'm not totally in love with his music. I mean, I think there's, but he, you know, but he is sort of like the proto glam rock band with the beat and stuff. Hmm. Okay. You know, and uh, Joe Meek, my god, my my yes. record producer, yes. know you, you know, um, claims that Dave Clark stole everything from him. Oh, uh, um, okay. Because he claimed his studio was bugged, and he always sus- suspected there was somebody right. in well, the Dave Clark room. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Dave Clark, you know, though he's the drummer of Dave Clark Five, I mean, he's the drummer, yet he's Dave Clark Five. Uh-huh. And when you see Dave Clark Five on stage, he's always on the center with the drums. Right. You know, he's always smiling. And, and, uh, and then you, one wonders how much music that Dave Clark actually produced himself or wrote. I mean, he's, he has co writing credit for all the original songs on Dave Clark Five, but we're not sure if he actually, you know, um, wrote all those songs. And I think he, uh, Bronson sort of talks about it briefly in the book. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not giving any outside, you know, personal knowledge because I don't have any. Right. But what's interesting about Dave Clark and the way he's portrayed is that he's, Dave Clark's a really mysterious guy to me because he's a guy who seems to sabotage his, the Dave Clark Five music in the current times. You know, he's a guy who never like, you know, he owns the records. I mean, he owns the masters. 
He right. owned Dave Clark Five, right. song publishing everything. That right. he very rarely re, re, does reissues. I mean, now there's a reissue. I think this took place this very oh, recently. Oh, did one finally come out? Yeah, like a best of collection. But you know, I kept trying to get them to do it, and they wouldn't do it. Yeah, but from you know, but of course, uh, Bronson writes about the frustration of trying to uh, make a deal yeah. with uh, Dave yeah. Clark to uh, do a like a proper box set or he wants to do it justice he's not i mean he's definitely not bronson's not like a scumbag like i just want to make a ton of money on things he like he's a fan nerdy fan yeah yeah he's a nerdy he's a fan fan. yeah yeah so i mean everything that they do and i think that's why people respect them so much is because it's it's definitely done from a place of they love the music that they're putting out and they want to put it out in the best possible light so. pretty much yeah pretty much anything that rhino records put out on a label is usually really good yeah. or excellent i mean they do good reissues you know of everybody yeah. Yeah. so you can presume that the mastering is going to be really good the mix is going to be good right. you know great liner notes packaging is going to be really nice you know they do they do quality work rhino records yeah yeah, so it's strange that Dave, that Dave Clark wouldn't do it. Well, I think he, he, he had an opinion that if it was more he'll, like, he doesn't need the money. He's a wealthy man of some sort. Uh-huh. So I think he just felt that, you know, why should I do this if I have money already? I can make my Dave Clark 5 even work more in the future. Yeah. But of course, you know, it doesn't work that way because, you know, I buy already, I'm, well, yeah. I buy how to use records. People forget you know? about it. And I buy used records, and Dave Clark Five records are not pricey by any means. Yeah, you can buy them all. You can buy each album of Dave Clark Five, you know, from the '60s for like two to three dollars, or you know, yeah, four dollars. Right. So they were very popular, so they were a lot of press. And and yeah. you know, I mean, he points out in the book, he says, you know, a lot of these bands are remembered because the songs get used in movies and commercials, mm-hmm. and that's how they sort of you know stay present. Yeah younger generation and so you know dave clark isn't letting his songs be used in any manner so no. you know they don't get played on the radio so the kids you know the, the younger generations have no idea who they are no the other yeah. thing i like about the other thing i like about bronson's book i do enjoy reading his um his diaries of visiting london you know in the 70s right, right. and um, it reminded me a lot of when you and i went to london you know he's talking about yeah. going to see various bands and going to these various sort of music iconic places and and we did a lot of that he actually hits on all the iconic british stuff that's different from american stuff right no eating a hamburger at wimpy's or you know right 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 <laughs> <laughs> we, i don't think we ate it at wimpy's did we i, I, think I we no, were but I, at wimpy's <laughs> I, I, I went to wimpy's in the 60s almost my did movie. you <laughs> That was yeah, I the food was scary when we were there. It's gotten a lot better. As I'm, oh yeah, yeah. I, we've both been back since, and we, you yeah, and I yeah, went. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was still pretty bad back then. <laughs> but like Wimpy's was like not even McDonald's level, which is pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and no. he was like, it was like a, it was yeah. like a, you gotta be joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then the whole cucumber sandwiches and you know, all that oh, stuff. Oh, I know. It's like, no but, wonder all these boys are so scrawny and pasty looking. Yeah. Sick looking. <laughs> That's what they but, eat. But reading Bronson's, you know, I think for both of the reading Bronson's, um, that, that part of a book where he writes, you know, his, his the journal aspect, yeah. it definitely reminds me when I first went to London and looking for a hotel and, you know, not finding a good yeah. hotel and you know, all that type of stuff. Right. 
travel journal stuff. That was it was fun to read for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I liked when he was sort of talking about you know the beginnings of the British invasion and and uh, and uh, I pulled a quote. He said, "What could possibly have moved so many timid, pale classroom nebbishes to cast themselves?" as anguished blues belters in the manner of Ray Charles or drugged out cool jazz musicians. And it's funny because, you know, we don't think about it now because we're so used to these guys. But back mm -hmm. then, it's like, what did make these kids think that they could be, like, you know, playing the blues and, and have anything happen with that? You know, clearly they were just doing it because they loved it. They, I don't think any of them thought they would ever become, you know, rock stars because that wasn't something that anybody had done. Yeah, you know, I think it's one thing like mirroring or trying to imitate the sounds of American records, uh -huh. you know, and sometimes, you know, I mean, that's the great thing about the 60s. They had time to progress. Yeah. Now you don't really. Now you have to be like your first record has right. to be it. You know, everything now yeah. has to be it. But in yeah. the 60s, you know, especially for a lot of British bands, it was not it. You know, like the first Stones album or the first Kinks album were like R&B covers. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of them, uh, almost all of these bands, it's like their first album was predominantly R&B covers. And they and all the covered a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, and The Who did the same thing. Yeah, with games, yeah you know, All Motown yeah. R&B, in The Beatles even, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Hey. I was laughing because almost every single one of them cites Big Bill Brunzi as an influence. I'm like, damn, they must have all watched that same show they when did. it came out. <laughs> <laughs> that Big Bill Brunzi show spawned that one, that a million one fans. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of that, amazing. That one show changed rock and roll forever. I know, I know. It's it's sort of like, you know, the Velvet Underground, mm. you know, it's like there's these pivotal rock and roll moments and that was clearly a pivotal rock and roll moment that spawned the whole British invasion, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And um, it, he didn't really talk, did he talk about, I can't remember if he talked about it, but then, you know, in the British world, um, they start acting, you know, not acting, they start singing and it was a British accent more, you know, like Ray Davies. Right. Ray Davis. Right, um, so I know I, I still have trouble with that myself. And I <laughs> have to say, in the book, he pointed it out too. Yeah, that, that was the correct pronunciation. <laughs> if only I read that book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, but anyway, you know, it, and like Herman's Hermits, where it became, you know, I mean, Peter Noon, the lead singer of Herman, or right. he has been, you know, has a definitely British Cockney accent, and you know, right. and um, and Ian Whitcomb, uh, who eventually moved to Pasadena, who passed away recently, sadly, um, you know, saying with a British accent, British, you know, voice. Yeah. You know, and uh, that, you know, that change over, over time in the 60s, where it yeah, became it's... really British rock and roll, not British bands imitating America, but it becomes right. where the British started developing their own yeah, it's funny. I'm reading Andy Warhol's Popism, his memoir uh -huh. right now. And he actually talks a lot about how when these bands were just starting to break, how everybody, all the boys in the United States were trying to fake uh, British accents because, of, you know, all the girls were loving the British boys that were coming yeah. over. And it's like anytime the, the guys would meet a, another British guy, they'd like try to copy his accent. Yeah. <laughs> Good so, technique. Yeah. 
yeah, sure. Got to use whatever whatever skills you can to get the girls. Yeah. <laughs> very, 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 very important. We all love the British accents. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, funny. He had mm -hmm. that one funny quote about uh, he's in the beginning of the book. He's talking about how all these boys were, were first if they thought they were so ugly, you know, scrawny and pale and. And he's talking about that as some critics mentioning about the Rolling Stones. And this was historically, he says, not, this isn't Bronson, but this is some critic mm -hmm. talking about this. He says, one of them looks like a chimpanzee. I'm guessing that's Mick Jagger. Uh -huh. <laughs> Two look like very ugly Radcliffe girls. So I'm guessing that's Brian Jones and Keith Richards. Uh -huh. One resembles the encyclopedia drawings of Pithecanthropus erectus. I'm thinking that must be Charlie Watts. And the fifth is a double for Ray Bolger in the role of Charlie's aunt. I'm guessing that's Bill Wyman. It's funny because I was like, Bill Wyman does look like Ray Bolger. <laughs> but it's like, who would think these guys were all going to be these huge sex symbols, you know? He, he, you you learned something from reading this book, didn't you? Oh, sure. This book is <laughs> packed with information. It's critical, critical mm -hmm. information. <laughs> now, it's almost like too much information. I got overwhelmed, actually. <laughs> are any of the bands that, especially that I mentioned in the introduction, that you really like a lot? I mean, are were you were, were any bands that you're not familiar with? Uh, no, I was familiar with all of them, but it was funny because as I was reading, I was like, you know, none of these bands are like, favorites of mine most of them it's huh. like oh i really like the hits but i never really got into anything beyond the hits right you know I'd, i you know i have a couple Yardbirds albums but i can't remember the last time i listened to them you know i think i bought them because i you know i thought well you know i i, I need to this is you know canonical music i need to be familiar with it but you know i like the hits you know mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't really have uh albums i don't think by any of these other people um so yeah, it's funny. I mean, I realized that, well, the Kinks, I love the Kinks, but you yeah. know, for me, it's, it's really, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, the Kinks are my, I like the obvious ones. Um, Do you know who my favorite is of, of this list? Of this particular list? Besides I was going to say, I know, you're, I know you're a big fan of the move. You've been telling me recently to listen to the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but movie. on this list, um, besides the obvious, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll tell you. Trogs? <laughs> I like Trogs are great, but Manfred Mann. Manfred Mann, okay. okay. I love Manfred Mann. Do you? All right. Yeah, I read this guy. I mean, I, as a kid, I loved Manfred Mann. But like the last year or two, I really, I, I bought all their old albums or, you know. Yeah, you like Do I Diddy Diddy? <laughs> love it. Okay. I love it. All right. Pretty Flamingo, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, But what makes Man for Man interesting, and Bronson brings it up, but that they're, they're not really rock and roll guys. They're like jazz guys. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was, you know, I did get into, I tried to listen to as many of the albums get beyond, you know, beyond the hits for some of mm -hmm. these. And yeah, I was listening to Man for Man the other day and there was one that was like, I was like, wait, what happened? What am I listening to now? <laughs> it was a complete jazz thing you know yeah like, oh that's manfred man wow <laughs> yeah you know i have an album this manfred man instrumentals from that period oh okay you know, yeah it looked well, like b-sides or album cut you know it was you know mm -hmm. uh, a classically trained musician so yeah but they definitely what makes manfred man unique is that they are truly a pop band uh -huh. but i think they look at pop in a very like jazz 
way. Yeah. I think the, you know the arrangements are like it's sort of jazz oriented. They're very. Um, the beat is more kind of jazzy, um, and the lead singer. Well, they have two of them. Um, Paul Jones, the first lead singer, um, who's more well known in the United States, who has all the really hits. Um, I think is a really great singer. Is a really great um, a voice, and um, and um, yeah, he's interesting. You know, he's an interesting person. I mean, interesting world. And um, it's funny. You know, the way I <laughs> look at the British Invasion, I jump around like crazy. Yeah. Because as I say, Paul Jones, I immediately think of this movie Privilege that was made in the 60s. Yeah, he talks about that in the book. And it, yeah. you had mentioned that on one of our previous podcasts. And I've been trying to find it, but it doesn't seem to be available to watch anywhere. Yeah, I have a DVD of it, but it's it's like a British uh, import DVD. So uh, you need you need to have a, um, uh, um, you know, like a DVD machine that can play. Right. All yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's too bad. I mean, he does say it's not very good. Did no. but you like it? Well, I, I actually I agree with him. It's not a good movie at all, in fact. What's interesting right. as well is um, the sequences. Well, the the theme of it, like a rock star becomes a religious figure, therefore a political figure, uh -huh. um, uh -huh. is interesting, of course. And you know, where um, I think the main character name Stephen Stephen Shorter. Like I may have that wrong. But they all, him and everybody who works with him have this um, outfits made. It has like SS. Oh, it's really interesting. Hard. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and the first scenes of him on stage is like one of the best rock and roll stage scene ever seen in, in a movie. It's really amazing. Uh, wow. Really, I'm going to have to come over to your house when the plague is gone and watch it. <laughs> yeah, when the plague is gone. <laughs> yes, when the plague is gone, if it's ever gone. Yeah. But um, but it's really, really. It, you, know, you can probably see it on on YouTube. It's like, you know, oh, okay, it's just a great scene, and it's just him yeah. on stage. Um, and it, apparently, like I think what Bronson mentioned, it definitely influenced like Alice Cooper. You know, who's yeah. famous for his theatrical performances and you know sets right. and stuff like that. And right. I, you know, so I was really impressed with that movie. And again, I always liked Paul Jones. And Paul Jones originally was going to be the uh, the lead singer of the Rolling Stones. Oh, wow. He's a, he, he was very close friends with uh, Brian Jones. So when Brian Jones was putting the band together, he considered uh, or he asked Paul Jones to be their singer. Right, right. Yeah, it was interesting to read just the sort of how incestuous the whole scene was. It was like mm -hmm. it, clearly all these various musicians are jumping around from band to band. And, you know, it was interesting mm -hmm. when he was talking about, you know, how Jimmy Page and um, and Elton John were session, you know, session musicians and played on a yeah. lot of these songs. You know, um, I think he was saying like the Hollies, almost all of their stuff was session musicians. Um, yeah, in the early 60s, they were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, usually, so. usually people like usually people like Jimmy Page. Yeah, yeah. I mean, impressive people who went on. Yeah, yeah. The people who went on to become huge stars. In, yeah, those two were huge um, studio um, on everybody's records that time. Right, right. Yeah. And, in fact, you know, Jimmy Page is on Goldfinger. Oh, really? He plays oh, guitar on the Shirley Bassey Goldfinger song. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was on a ton of stuff. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, um, and Nick, Nicky Hopkins, the, the, the pianist, uh, was also on everybody's right. record at the time as well. Right, 
Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's super interesting. And it's just interesting. I mean, he does talk a lot about how the bands progress, you know, and he's mm-hmm. talking about Graham Nash and the Hollies. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like, I like the early Holly stuff quite a bit. But then after Graham Nash left, mm-hmm. I thought it was funny that the Hollies started sounding more like that whole Topanga sound when Graham mm-hmm. Nash went and joined Crosby, Stills and Nash. And yeah. um, it, it was interesting that that's how they, the direction they went after yeah. the guy who went and did that <laughs> who yeah. actually moved to LA and you know did that sound but yeah because I like the earlier stuff better I never was really big on any of that you mean the little I canyon know, sound yeah and it's okay it's not my thing I have to officially tell people here so that it would be very clear where I stand I hate <laughs> the little canyons <laughs> yeah I, I was I'm trying to be diplomatic but <laughs> you and I have talked about this before this whole yeah. revival sensibility that little canyon was somehow really great <laughs> is really trash uh it's grating i know i know it's not my scene at all i'm just sad given that we're los angelinos <laughs> the drugs wild thing beats everything that was produced or made in laurel canyon. yes yes <laughs> but dave uh, park five who i'm not even fond of really Beats everything. <laughs> that in oh, did, you, well. did you see that Little Canyon documentary? There's two of them, but there's an early one. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw the earlier one, but I haven't seen the yeah. more recent one. No, Echo, I think, I oh, Echo something, Echo in the Canyon. Yeah, Echo in the Canyon. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. No, I what, seen a, what a horrible movie. Horrible movie. <laughs> it's particularly funny that you don't like it since that was you really grew up with a lot of that stuff yeah <laughs> maybe that's, that's why i'm speaking from experience yeah yeah i get that speaking from experience but you know because right, you grew up in the canyon <laughs> but back to harold bronson yes legendary co-founder of rhino records my british invasion um the book is edited quite strange to me it's sort of like yeah, it jumps um, around a lot. It, it, you know, when I say, okay, when you look at the cover, it says My British Invasion, you have these British Invasion bands. You thought that's it. You know, it's all going to be yeah. Dave Clark Five, the Trogs, early Kings. But he goes yeah. into, he goes into, um, like the punk era, you know, and, and, um, yeah, a little a bit he has a whole chapter yeah. on Johnny Rotten and his dealings yeah. with Johnny Rotten, trying to do a, a film of his memoir. Yeah. Which, uh, shame that that didn't transpire. That would be fun. But maybe it's um, better it doesn't. You know. Yeah, perhaps we, <laughs> we don't know. But, um, well, they uh, were trying yeah. to get Penelope Spheris to do it, so it might yeah. have been good. I don't know why. I don't know. It's too bad. It's yeah. True, but. but, you know, as I read the book, I and mean, he wrote another book um, in the back here where he wrote a book about yeah, Rhino Records. Right? Rhino Records. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested. like to go back and read that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would like to read this. But yeah, what I would hope, and maybe that's the book that he wrote that I wanted more, but as I'm reading this, I would, I, I think I would like it actually if it was like his really like a full head memoir of his whole mm. life in the music world. You know what I mean? It would be like yeah, the Herald Yeah, it was a strange book. book. I mean, it basically felt like a collection of essays that were kind of just put together uh-huh. and, you know, yeah, I thought that, you know, you and I were both talking about it before that the title seemed a bit deceptive 
Yeah. It wasn't what we expected it to be, especially in the very beginning where he's just talking about when he was a young man at UCLA and yeah. writing for the Daily Rune, the college newspaper, and, and working as a rep for the various labels, which had nothing to do with the British invasion. I remember you texting me, you were like 50 pages in, you're like, is this about the British invasion or not? <laughs> yeah, when, are, when are the cucumbers? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but saying that, you know, this, this is like a marketing thing, but saying that, I actually enjoy, you know, reading about his life at UCLA, writing for music papers. You know, yeah. I, what I would like is actually the Harold Bronson, legendary co-founder of Rhino Records, my music career story, you know? I, yeah, that, well, maybe that Rhino book is more that, yeah. Maybe it is. I have, yeah. I have, you know, there's that Rhino book, but... Um, so the book is not totally focused on British invasion bands. You know, for me, yeah. British invasion bands are very time specific from 63 to like, you know, 68. Yeah. Uh, and it goes beyond that. And he talks about other, you know, music things as well. Right. But, I mean, I, he has that chapter on the pirate radio, which I really wanted to read more about that. I'm very fascinated by that. And also the one about Granny Takes a Trip, the yeah. clothing store, which I thought, oh, man, I, I wonder if anybody's written a book about those people, because that seemed really interesting to me as well. Yeah. A strange group uh -huh. of people. So it's like, I was, it was almost like a lot of these were almost teasers, you know? Yeah, like Maybe teasers. They really want to go read more about all mm -hmm. of this stuff. There was not enough for me, but, but you know, it's a good introduction, so... It is, and again, as I, and I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier in the show, it does remind me of my book a little bit because I jump around like yeah. crazy. That's just yeah. my style of writing, you know. And and yeah. I, I so so I'm criticizing his book, but actually, <laughs> you did yeah. the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, or maybe I've done the same thing, you know, just because it's just my style. Of but right, but being an outsider, forget that. I yeah. I think Bronson is a is a really interesting person. Just because yeah. he's been in the music business in the most exciting time, or or you know one of the key times, he has a great yeah. recognition of the past, you know the '60s yeah. and the '50s. Yeah. He knows he's his super music. Knowledgeable. Yeah, super he's, knowledgeable. Yeah, he's, he's very enthused. Very <laughs> it's totally he, a music nerd. <laughs> yes, he is, and um, you know, you wish there was more people like that in the music world, you know, and stuff yeah, like that. Um, and and he spent, and again he spent time talking about Mickey Most and you know Mike, Michael Chapman. And, right, uh, right. And I knew, I knew when I was reading, I was like, oh, Tosh is going to love all this. Yeah, background. I did like it. <laughs> oh, we forgot to mention there's a good chapter on Mark Bolin where he uh, reproduces an interview with him that he did. Oh, that, that was a that, fun chapter. That was a very good interview. Yeah, it was. It was. I liked that a lot. Because I, it, yeah, when I read it, I'm really getting. Um, the way either transcribed or the means, you really, I'm really hearing like the real Mark Bowler. Yeah, I know. He did a nice job of really kind of getting his, his uh, verbal mannerisms down, it, it seemed. Yeah, because like you, you, you could hear his, his voice in your head as you're reading. Yeah, Bowler has like sort of almost like a Lenny Bruce. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he has a rhythm. You know, I could tell when you read it, there's a certain like poetry, there's a certain type of rhythm he uses. Right. You know, he, he's, yeah, he's, and, and again, I think exposing Mark Bowen in this book was not even on the cover. Yeah, I right know. That's why we sort of forgot to yeah. mention it, but I was just yeah. flipping through the book. I'm glad right you now. brought it up because that was yeah, actually that was a really good chapter. Yeah. That's one of the strong parts of the book. Yeah, for sure. When you talk about um, the history of uh, T Rex and Mark Bowen, who's a fascinating, yeah. uh, in a way, in, a, in a many ways, I think he's very underrated as a writer and uh, 
performer, even though he's very famous of sorts, you know, and people love his well, work. Well, he was clearly a lot more famous in England than he was yeah. here. But I just think uh, he's, but I think, he, you know, he's a, he's a, he was a great, um, I think a great rock and roll figure and a great yeah. rock and roll songwriter. Did you ever see him live? No. And, you know, I see him on TV, but I was always disappointed because he was, at that time, he was like jamming. You know, he's like, um, actually, no, let me take that back. When he came into America, I think he thought he had to be more heavy, you know, so he started doing more guitar stuff, which is not interesting. But yeah. if you get the DVD of Born to Boogie, uh -huh. which is a movie he made with Ringo Starr directing it, um, the movie is ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> it's crap. But on the DVD, you have a full concert of T-Rex that was shot for the movie. Oh, and, that is a, and that is exceptionally great. And you own this? Yeah, I do. And you, I don't know, maybe, oh, it's a, maybe, maybe, to come over. <laughs> maybe it's available still, or you can okay. find it. It's oh, born to go game. We have to make sure it's a double DVD set. But the second right. DVD, is just, he did an afternoon. Yeah, he did an afternoon show and an evening show. Okay. And it's great. It, it's oh. really, the band is, his band is fantastic. And, you know, and it, right. it's great. Really good. All right. So Harold Bronson, legendary co-founder of Rhino Records, My British yes. Invasion. Yes. Um, a very interesting book. Yes. And really for the music nerd. The music nerd, though I have slight criticisms for it, I actually overall really, I guess, really like it. I mean, I, yeah. I think about the book a lot after I read it. Yeah, yeah. It's it, packed full of information for sure. Yeah, so it's a good, you know, it's a good, and he has a song list. I wish I'm definitely going to take advantage oh, yeah, of that playlist. Yeah, yeah, he's got a nice set of playlists in the back for all the artists that he discussed, which is yeah. really nice. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really nice, in-depth, you know, this, this guy's going to choose, you know, not the, not the obvious, but also the... Right, right. The he even has, like, obscure pirate radio uh, yeah. song playlist. So, yeah, and, I need to go through that. And, and in Glam Rock, he has Sparks doing this town ain't big enough for both of us. Oh, all right. Well, then he's okay with you. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, there's another good thing. He, 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 in his journals, he writes about seeing bands like The Move or, or Roy Wood's Wizard or early ELO. So those are kind of nice to read reviews as it happened. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm presuming that when he wrote that journal part in the book, that's not like, he, those are original journals, I think. Oh, you think? Uh, well, well I, mean, I would imagine he's at least referring to her. As yeah, because, because when I read it, I'm feeling like he's seen these bands for the first time. And yeah. his, his approach to writing about it is very fresh. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, a very, it's, like, it's like he's there. He's seen Roy Wood's Wizard. He didn't right. like him that much. Yeah, like you definitely you get that um you know enthusiasm of a young person who's just experiencing something for the first time yeah you know definitely Very like good. you say it reminded me of when we were traveling and, and seeing lots of music and uh, yeah definitely yeah. brought that across really well so yes harold bronson legendary my, my british invasion my 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 my, my british invasion <laughs> the inside story on the yardbirds Dave Clark Five, Man for Man, Herman's Hermits, The Hollies, The Trogs, The Kinks, The Zombies, and more, meaning Mark Bowen. More. And more. And Johnny Rotten. And Johnny Rotten. <laughs> and more. And more. <laughs> so our next episode is we're going to finally uh, leave the 60s for a little while. No. <laughs> 
I know, I know, Tosh, I know. It's, it's going to hurt, but we're going to do something a little more contemporary. Uh, we are going to be talking about Momus's new book, Niche, a memoir ah, of memoir. Niche. Yes. Ah, I'm looking very looking forward to that. Yes, that'll be good. So definitely uh, come and follow us on Facebook and on Instagram, and we're on Twitter now. And mm -hmm. you can get links to everything on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.